Hello and welcome to First Word Ministries and to the podcast here that we call The Passages of the Second Coming, the Second Coming Scriptures, taking a look in both Testaments at uh, Scriptures that reference the Second Coming of Christ. Today we're going to be in Genesis 13, uh, and we're going to look at verses, oh, let's see, 14 through 18. Last time we noticed that in Genesis 12, of course, the Lord uh, made a covenant with Avram, with Avram, and and uh, promised him the land. But that is reiterated here. It's a little. It's said in a little more with a little more emphasis. And so we look at it here in in Genesis chapter 13, beginning in verse 14. And Yahweh said to Avram, after Lot had separated from him, "Now lift up your eyes." And look from the place where you are, there northward, and southward, and eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you. Now that's a promise from Yahweh. It's an unconditional promise. I give to you, and even to your descendants. The last Hebrew word in that verse is olam, which means into the age, or we, I guess you'd, you'd uh, translate it forever into antiquity. Uh, it will be always yours. So here's the here's the point. From Avram's perspective, where he was standing, this is after Lot had chosen to go down into the va- to the valley of and live in Sodom, and the separation, the famous separation of Lot from Avram. Uh, now, after that happens. Yahweh says, look all around you, as far as you can see, I give this land to you and even to your descendants into the age forever, uh, into an, in antiquity. It's always, it's forever and always yours. As long as there is a, a land here, it is your land. So this deed came from Yahweh himself, the creator, this deed to that land of promise called the promised land comes from Yahweh directly to Avram. And I will make your descendants like the dust of the earth so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then also your descendants could be numbered. Arise, Walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. And Avram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron. And he built an altar there to Yahweh. Of course, the subject is the scriptures of the second coming. Now, here's what we see and what we know. Israel. The, the descendants of Avram, of Abraham, have never completely occupied the entire land of promise. Never have. Didn't, didn't, didn't occupy it to when Joshua conquered Canaan. They stopped short. Didn't occupy it to when David was conquering the nations around them. And when Solomon, in his time of expansion, uh, came about, they still did not occupy the entire land of promise. So when then will this promise uh, 
become a reality to the people of Israel. Well, it couldn't become a reality until after the time of their sin and dispersion and then the return to the land, uh, which is actually occurring today. It started in 1948. But viewing the second coming of Christ, knowing that the Israelites and the Jews are, are in the land at his second coming, they don't have to give up that land. It's just a part of the land that they've been promised. But with the glorious second coming of Christ and with the entry into the millennial kingdom, into the thousand years uh, that are promised, they are guaranteed through the power of Christ and by the promise of God, of course, through covenant to these people to finally, and I believe it will happen in the millennium, to finally occupy all of the land. If you think of the globe and you look at the description of the land as it's given as it goes all the way to the Euphrates River, down to the Mediterranean Sea and all that, if you look at the entire piece of property, the parcel of land uh, that is that is parceled out to Israel as the land of promise, you will see that it is rightfully called the navel of the earth. It is in the center of the world. And I don't know what the land looked like back in the day that God made this covenant. Was it a plush and beautiful land? It probably was more plush than it came to be later with the abuse of the land. But there is a promise that it will become a wonderful and glorious land. Of course, that land, when Moses was carrying the Israelites toward that land, it was a land flowing with milk and honey. So it was a, a very productive land and among uh, probably the most desirable land in all of the world. It would It would just produce... Fruit, vegetable, cattle, flocks, herds, it was just wonderful. And it'll even be better than that, I know, when the curse is lifted in the time of the millennial kingdom. So after Lot had separated himself from Avram, uh, God invited Avram to look as far as he could look in every direction and promised him everything that he saw Uh in another in another scripture, it, it it closely and carefully defines the the boundaries of this land, and it is a tremendous piece of land. So not only did God give it to Avram, but He said, "I'm going to give it to you and your descendants, even to forever, even even into antiquity. It will always be yours and your the and your descendants." will own the land always. Now, when does this take place? Well, they, as I said earlier, they've occupied parts of the land at various times, and I suppose during the land of Sol- during the time of Solomon, the land really expanded, the Israelites, and they were secure and all, but even Solomon never carried, carried them to the outermost boundaries of the land of promise. Jesus will do this, however, I'm convinced, in the time of the millennium. Now, he says down here that no one would ever be able to number the descendants of Avram. And in the reference and in the context, it re- it's talking about the, the descendants that would take the land of promise. That would mean 
the descendants through Isaac and then through Jacob, the 12 tribes, the 12 sons, the 12 tribes. So when you get down to the 12 tribes then, and they inherit that land, they will be so numerous that a person would not be able to count how many there are. Now let's talk about the millennial kingdom. We know from Isaiah, for example, uh, and various passages in, in the Old Testament that and even in even the references in the New Testament that the curse that came upon the world and upon man will be lifted during the millennial kingdom. The curse on the earth, the earth becomes totally productive. It uh, there's there are no thorns or thistles, and there's nothing you plant the land, and it will produce continually in a magnificent and marvelous way. Everybody in the millennial kingdom uh, should be prosperous, especially in the land of Israel. So they have this beautiful, productive land, and the curse of the animals will be lifted, and a lion and the, and the lamb will lay down together, and a, a child will pick up a poisonous snake and play with it, and the bear will play with people. I mean, it's just it's beyond imagination, I suppose, but it's the truth, and it's be a wonderful place. And the curse of man to die after so many years will also be lifted. So there will be people who will live throughout the entire thousand years. Understand this, that in Matthew 25, the judgment of nations, we're to understand that there's a great company of Israelites who do not die but enter into the millennial kingdom, and there are Gentiles as well, who enter into the millennial kingdom in their physical bodies, not their spiritual bodies like those of us who will be raptured and resurrected, but in their physical bodies. Now, in those physical bodies, of course, they'll be able to procreate. They'll be able to reproduce, have families. Now, consider the longevity of their lives, and you can see how people can be bearing children into their hundreds of years old. I mean, by the 500, 600 years old, that, that should be meaningless when the curse of, the, of sin, of the fall of man, is lifted for that time in the millennial kingdom. So here is a, a husband and a wife, and they could have literally hundreds of children in the millennium. And those children would have children, and those children will have children. So they would be very prolific, it would seem to me, in the time of the millennial kingdom. Already Israel has produced a great deal of descendants. But I think especially in the time of the millennial reign of Christ, the nation will be very prolific, and uh, the nation of Israel will grow to a population that had that has never been known in the history of man. That's part of the wonderful covenant that God makes to Avram. And he says, this land is theirs forever. I believe that at that time, it'll be the most productive and beautiful land and prosperous land in all of the world. The Bible describes that there will also be other nations. There will be other nations that, other than Israel. But Jesus Christ will assume the throne uh, as the son of David in Israel. He will sit on the throne of David, and there he will teach and proclaim. And all justice and righteousness will come forth from his reign as king of kings. Uh, 
and other nations led by their kings will come uh, to pay homage to the Christ and bring gifts uh, from time to time, but but the but the but the glorious nation and the I'm sure the most populated nation in the time of the millennial kingdom will be Israel, uh, to far outnumber all of the other nations, and they will be greatly greatly blessed. I believe that that case can be made. So here in Genesis 13, we see. Another, the next passage of Scripture that is applicable to the second coming of Christ. Hey, thank you for listening to us and studying the Bible with me uh, as I'm making a study uh, regarding the second coming Scriptures as I see them in the Bible. Thank you so much, and I hope that you'll pick up there and join us next time.